Do you feel politically homeless, lost in the chaos of modern politics, not sure who to believe? Democrats call him a Republican. Republicans call him a socialist. He is Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle. Welcome to the Man in the Middle podcast, episode 15. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host. Thanks for joining us, folks. We've made it to the finish line here. It's uh, the middle of December, and um, we'll be coming back later in the new year with some new, with some new shows and some new guests. And we're very excited about our guests that we're having here today. You know, there is a fiduciary responsibility of all of our elected leaders, whether it be city, state, county, federal to make sure that they're thinking about the future and they're thinking about the future of whatever uh, jurisdiction that they have been elected to. Currently, the city of Murfreesboro is facing, um, looking at a potential sale of one of their major assets. It's been a hot topic in Rutherford County, Middle Tennessee, uh, for about the last month, and we're closing in on a vote from, from the city council uh, on whether this transaction will take place and what that means for the citizens of Murfreesboro and Rutherford County. Looking forward to our guest today, uh, Councilman Ronnie Martin will be joining us from the Murfreesboro City Council, and he will be educating us on all of the factors that are going into this decision that he and the rest of our city council members are going to have to make probably before Christmas. Welcome back to episode 15. I'm Stephen Reynolds. Hope you enjoy this interview. We'll be right back. Welcome back to the Man in the Middle podcast, episode 15. I'm Stephen Reynolds, your host. And joining me today is Murfreesboro City Councilman, newly elected City Councilman, Vice President, of First Bank, is that right? Are you president of the bank? Senior right? vice president, senior not vice president, president, but okay. uh, senior vice president, yes. And yes. thanks for allowing me to be here. I'm excited to be here with you. Absolutely. Let's start with this question. Uh, first off, you're a native of Rutherford County. Yes, sir. Okay. Went to school here? I did. Yeah. Um, lived here your whole life? Yes, sir. Yeah. So you are a, a prime example of typical folks that get into government. Uh, that want to help their community is that why did you get into government ron um so i I am a kappa alpha uh, from middle tennessee state university and for those who do not know uh, doug young who was a deceased council member for a long time uh, he was a kappa alpha from middle tennessee state and so i met doug when i was 19 years old and fast forward um, he passed away and his position was open on the city council and it happened to be at a point in my life where um, I had some people talking to me about getting more involved in local government. Mm-hmm. Um, at uh, 45, mm-hmm. with four adult children, I had the time to commit to that. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and candidly, um, spent some time with some of the other candidates that were really passionate about you know, being an elected official, which candidly I was not super mm-hmm. passionate about being an elected official. I just wanted to help, and I felt like I had something to, to offer. And... Um, really felt a strong sense of responsibility to at least try and if you know the citizens of Murfreesboro decided they didn't want me that would kind of give me a pass to move on down the road to do something else but 
I feel fortunate to be in a position I'm in to try to serve and help, and so I'm glad to be here. Well, well, thank you, Ronnie. I, you know, I've always said the candidates that we should vote for are the ones we have to drag in by the feet because they really don't want it. Yeah. Well, it's usually the guys that don't want it that do the best job with it because they've got they don't have an agenda. Well, and I and I didn't, and you know that was a handicap in many ways in the mm-hmm. very early on because people would ask me, "What's your platform and what's your pillars?" And I was like, "What's that?" Right. right. You, tell me what you're talking about. And they was like, they would be like, "Well, are you a Republican or a Democrat?" And I'm like, "Well, can you help me define that exactly what that means?" Because right. I know how I typically vote, but I'm not sure what you mean when you're asking me the question. What do you really mean? And and it, it's given me, it's opened my eyes like all new things do. Yeah. And, and at 45 years old, you know, like like we learn over and over and over again, you don't know what you don't know. And you realize how big the world is and how small we are in the grand scheme of things. So Absolutely. And so you're, you really touched on something that I found. It's this esoteric ideological conversation. Right. When really you were just saying, hey, I just want to make sure the garbage garbage trucks show up every Thursday. I just want to help. You're right. I just want to help. You know, know, government actually helps people. Right. And, you know, and and for me, I had been pretty selfish. um, And and I don't say that in a proud way at all. But, um, you know, I've worked really hard for 25 years of my life to invest in my education, invest in my experience. and, And I really wanted to be the top of my craft. Um, and, and really I've got a lot of skill set that I've learned and people have invested in me that really I was just sharing with my customers and clients, the people I do business with, but I was not one that spent a lot of time on boards or volunteered for a lot of things because it got in the way with me doing my job and my work. And that was a real priority to me. And yeah, anyway, I got to a point where I started feeling a little guilty about that. And so I had to kind of balance that in my life. So that, that's a big part of this. When you were running, right. Did you exp- did you have any idea what you were getting yourself no, into? No, sir. Yeah, it's uh, and this is going to sound re- this is going to make me sound like a knucklehead, right? But uh, I really had given no thought to what it would be like to serve. All of my energy was put into being in a position to win so that I could serve. Right. So I'm one that I don't create problems that are not in front of me. Uh, you waste a lot of brain power solving problems that you don't have. I want to look at what's right in front of me, and I want to solve right, what's right in front of me mm-hmm. with a forward-looking eye to other things that are coming down the road. Mm-hmm. But you don't realize how long four years is until you get elected, <laughs> and then you realize you start counting that on a map, and you start counting meetings and Friday nights with your wife and whatever. And I was thinking, oh, my gosh, what have I done? But, right. you know, I, I'm really fortunate. My wife is uh, like like we're all lucky to have, you know, my biggest supporter, my biggest fan, my best friend, it's, yeah, all that stuff. It's critical for and, any candidate or elected official. And she, um, there is no question in mind, I wouldn't be sitting here in a position that I'm in if it were not for her help because – she worked every bit as hard as I worked. I'm sure she did. And and, and a lot of friends and family. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, I mean, that's the funny thing, too, about when you first, uh, or at least when I was first a candidate, I thought, oh, all of these people are going to just rush to my aid. <laughs> no, You're on your own. <laughs> You're lucky if you get a check. Most <laughs> people right. would say, let me give you a little bit of money because I don't want to do anything. But uh, right. I had plenty that worked, and I, I should give credit to my kids, too. They didn't have as many options to say no as they might have liked to have had because they were kind of... I kind of told them, this is where you're going to be, and this is what you're going to do. Right. But, I mean, I have four children that helped and campaigned yeah. and put out signs, and so I'm appreciative That's for everybody. Great. Yeah. That's great. So now you're here. Yes, sir. And this is, I wouldn't call it a burden. Yeah. But it is a 
incredible responsibility. Yes, sir. To the people here. Right. And and Ronnie, everybody that I know that knows you, mm-hmm. we know you get that. Yeah. We we that's what we can feel it. Yes. We know you get that. And so you've had a lot of big decisions we since have. you've been elected. Did you have any idea that this would be part of the agenda once you were elected? You were just trying to get elected. I totally get that. Yeah. When I first ran, I had to take all of this what I would do stuff and just focus on campaigning. Right. Uh, to your point, you get to the point where you can't, you know, but did you know the agenda? Did you realize that there was, for example, a tax increase in the future and that you would be voting on that? I did not. had no idea. And, and I have said on multiple occasions, I voted for the tax increase. Uh, I believe that is something that at that particular moment mm-hmm. we had to do. Right. Um, and, and that's not about... Could we be more efficient or should we have raised taxes sooner and any of that stuff? Because it's hard. It's easy to armchair quarterback what we did and all that kind of stuff. Right. But I believed in that moment that we had to do it. And and that's why I am so, um, I guess, opinionated Mm -hmm. about certain things that we would do moving forward to make certain that, yes, I did vote for that tax increase. Mm -hmm. But. You know, it's like anything because of my background, people have and because people know me, mm-hmm. you know, they have higher expectations of me. Right. Because they say, you know, you do this for a living. This is what you do. Is this the quality of decision that's coming from someone who has this expertise? So I feel a certain amount of pressure for that. I'm not, you know, just to be honest. Sure. But but it's also the sense of responsibility that I feel that I know that I should be able to carry a larger burden than some others because of the background and training that I have. And I got to step up and be vocal and have some of those conversations where someone else might not have that experience. I mean, we have council members that have been on the council for six years, eight years, 12 years, and there are infinitely number of things that they know more about than I do. Mm -hmm. But when it comes to the budget and some of the financial decisions we make as a city, Mm -hmm. um, I'm not second guessing anyone else's ability to do that. Right. But it is a very natural fit for me. Yeah. And, and as a businessman, right. Uh, you know, that those skills do have a lot to do, are very important in running a government. Yes. Uh, you know, we hear that argument from our president all the time. It's not everything, though. Right. And there are a lot of things in government that you don't see in business. Yeah, absolutely. So talk about that a little bit. A lot of moving parts, right, Ron? Was it overwhelming? Um, the budget process, when you're looking at, my gosh, we do all of these things around the city, uh, was that just like drinking from a fire hose? It, it was a little, um, it was a little paralyzing. But you know, my approach to um, running and campaigning, I think, was different from what I understood from what other people have done. You know, I attended um, every planning commission meeting, every water and sewer board meeting. Mm-hmm. I was at every city council meeting. And I really tried to become a student of what I was, you know, getting ready to try to help lead. Outstanding. And so what I wanted to do, I did not know how long I was going to serve, and I did not know in what capacity I was going to serve. But I did not want to be the person that was making excuses to say, hey, I've only been here six months or nine months or 12 months. I don't know what's going on. I don't know what's going on. Right. I just wasn't comfortable with that. And so I want, again, in the same way that I campaigned, I wanted to serve to the absolute best of my ability and Mm -hmm. to know that I did the best I could do Mm -hmm. um, and I didn't leave anything behind. And so to me, going to all those meetings, you know, watching the agendas, 
trying to figure out how the consent agenda works with new business and old business and when you talk and when you don't and what you say and what's appropriate. Robert rules. Yeah. There's a certain yeah. amount of that that oh, you just yeah. have to get comfortable with. There it's kind of like, you know, I'd, I'd equate it to accounting. Uh-huh. If you don't understand the terms of accounting, it's kind of hard to talk about the budget That's because right. you have to learn the terms of accounting in order to talk about the budget. So right. I really tried to become a student, and and I did that, and it, it has really helped speed up my ability to contribute in yes. some areas. Yes. And so um, I, I feel good about where I am. Uh, you know, I, I am one that um, I've always been a very ambitious guy, and so I'd like to be further along than I am, but uh, I'm just not sure there's much more I could be doing than what I'm doing. So yeah, I don't want to be too tough on myself. So Yeah, no, I, Ronnie, I, I think the consensus out there, a lot of folks really do appreciate you and your honesty well, and candor out there um, and, and uh, your ability to communicate with the citizens and to listen. Uh, folks don't realize that when you do run and get elected, your phone rings off the wall, your email blows up. It may be someone's cat in a tree somewhere. Yeah. Uh, it could be all uh, just a wide variety of and range of issues that you have to deal with. Sure, but you did it because you love the people of this city and you love this community. That's right. I think that shows, Ronnie. Yeah. I think everybody's proud of that. Well, Let's talk about the future of Murfreesboro. Okay. So we're in the present now, and you're right. There are a lot of things that have happened in the past. Mm-hmm. For example, we didn't have a tax increase for a long time. Right. So sooner or later. You know the the roosters going to come home, sure. so to speak, and uh, uh, so you know I don't think that I think folks understand that you mm-hmm. know at some point. But talk about the future of the city. How do you see the future of the city? And then um, we can get into the Murfreesboro Electric uh, Department. I know that's a big issue that's going on sure. out there. Let's let's set that to the side right now. Let's talk about the other things of the future of Murfreesboro and what you see and what you would like to do. So I think, um, you know, the first thing that comes to mind, um, you know, the financial stability of our community is important to me. Um, I I do not want to be in a position, nor would I give myself a pass to be in a position where our budget situation would require another tax increase that we're not planning for or anticipating or is um, is as significant as the one we had before. And and I think that was poor planning on our part. Mm And look, I've been on the council a year, but I'm not one that points fingers at council members or staff. There's nothing to be gained for that. It's not productive. It's us. We're in it together to win. We're here today. Mm -hmm. uh, But I am very much committed to trying to put together a sustainable model moving forward where we understand the revenue and expense side of what we do. We try to get a handle on how growth is impacting the community. We try to make good decisions about who should pay for that. Um, we, we listen to, um, the, the residents of the community. And this is a fascinating thing to me because, you know, this is new to me, but you know, when I graduated from high school, there were probably 50,000 people in Murfreesboro, right. you know, there's double that now. Yeah. And what I think a lot of people don't understand is this is very much, in my opinion, a, a tale of two cities. We have old Murfreesboro that's been here for a hundred years. And then we got everybody else that's been here in the last 20, right? Yeah. And so there are some competing views and ideologies, I think, associated Mm -hmm. with that. Sure. And it's a real challenge to say, hey, I'm a guy that grew up here, and if I had not been open to growth and supportive of expansion and supportive of a longer commute time uh, so that we could get commercial industry and all these other things here, jobs here, 
that a lot of people might not have housing. Wouldn't even be here. They wouldn't even be here, right? There would still be cotton fields That's on the right. other side of I-24. But a lot of those right? people that have moved here in the last 20 years, now that they're here, sure. they don't want anything else to change yes, beyond where they right. are. Right, now they want I'm it. in. Right. The rest of you folks get in line, and y'all get a ticket, and y'all go somewhere else. Would you say, uh, I've said for many years now, that infrastructure is the biggest issue in Rutherford County. Would right. you agree with that? You know, I do, and uh, this is where my fellow council members who uh, I, I'm very grateful for to serve with, but we're going to have some different opinions on this. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you mentioned MED earlier. You know, we're talking about um, investing the, the potential, if, if we sell, the proceeds from that in infrastructure. Well, right. That's a little bit like telling somebody who's in the desert, you know, dying of thirst that, you know, would you like a glass of water? <laughs> well, yeah, I'd like a glass of water that, you know, yeah. please, that please give me, please, please give me some water. Yes. Well, so the other seat, the other piece of that that concerns me is um, because I think that's such an easy sell to the people. Um, does that mean we're doing what's right for the community long term? Is that the best thing long term for the community? Are you honoring your fiduciary responsibility towards the future? I struggle with that, and I yeah. and just to be candid with you, I I uh, I'm really concerned about the sale for uh, of MED. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think we've given uh, first. I would tell you, um, I would you know I. I feel it need important to to apologize to the folks, uh, the employees of MED, because I think they have not been treated particularly well throughout this process. And I don't mean, I'm gonna be real careful what I say. I don't mean by the city or you know by Middle Tennessee Electric or any of that mess. Right. When you go through a potential merger and you're trying to hold the balance sheet at a certain place relative to relative to overhead employees. You know, fixed cost, uh, capital improvements, equipment, that puts strain on an organization. Absolutely. And and those folks have for over a year. You know, they've been working through really tough conditions, and and I'm very grateful to that. I know how hard that has been. Yeah. Uh, I I don't know that there had would be another way around that per se outside mm -hmm. of the fact that I might be critical of how we've come to this decision. Mm -hmm. You know, nobody's asked me, uh, would you be willing in a, in a council chamber, let, let's vote to see if we'd be willing to sell the utility. That never happened. Gotcha. Right? And so that didn't particularly set well with me. I understand. Um, I think if, if our staff is of the opinion that divesting the city of an asset is good for the city long term, um, I, I'm a big believer in we hire staff to run the city. They have the expertise. I'm not discounting that at all. But what we have seen, which is a fact, is you can look back to the budget last year and the budget the year before. Staff's not perfect, just like the city council's not perfect. Why were we in a position where we needed a 34-cent tax increase? Somebody made a mistake along the way. So there's these checks and balances that have to stay in place. Yeah. And my personal opinion, if mm -hmm. we were going to have a discussion about selling MED, um, that should have come up in the council. We should have voted on whether or not we were interested in doing that, not a path where the staff got us 99.9% .9 of the way there, and then the council is said, hey, make a decision. It's not how I would do that. It, uh, yeah, Ronnie, I agree. I think that, you know, I, I, I live in the county, so yeah. I've lived in the city for 34 years, but I recently moved to the county about a year ago. So, yeah. But my friends in the city, I think that, that the merits of the deal uh, are, are kind of a wash with most people. I think most people's concern is transparency. Right. 
So go ahead, if you got no, no, that yeah, it's a that that's it. It's a political right. issue, and I think that this deal in particular, right. based on some of the things that you've just said, and based on the fact that it's following right a tax increase, a garbage fee, all of these that that got the public lit up. Yeah. And now trying to do this. And so I think that what you have is a political transparency issue out there with most people that do oppose any sort of deal like right. this. Uh, full disclosure, I'm a, uh, in Rutherford County, three generations of making money off of building roads yeah. and the materials that go into it. Right. I love to hear about talking about building more roads. Right. But it has to be done, I think, to your point, the right way. Well, so and funded the right way, and and I want to talk about that too because obviously okay. with your expertise in roads, you can you can bring something to this conversation that I don't have from a technical standpoint. But I do want to say this: um, I, I have appreciated. I've met with Chris Jones uh, on a couple of different occasions, yeah. And I have for those, you know, there there are a lot of issues here, but in my mind. There is not an issue related to can Middle Tennessee Electric serve our local ratepayers in an affordable, cost-effective, um, reliable way. way. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Of it's course. a great company. They have yes. great leadership. Yes. My concerns have nothing to do with that. Right. Now, you know, we can have some talks about, you know, the challenges to our system versus their system, long-term and short-term. To me, that's a separate conversation than do we sell it and what do we do with the money? But I'm giving you an example. One of the, um, or the recommendation that staff has made, along with selling the utility, is that we invest uh, over a five-year period uh, a $750 million capital improvement plan. Right. And so back to the serving water in the desert. Mm-hmm. Well, if uh, if you're really thirsty and somebody offers you some water, you're going to take it. Sure. There are not many residents that would say we don't need roads to the right. point you're making. Right. So we do need roads. There's no mm-hmm. question. Right. But how do you get yourself in a position where you have a $750 million backlog of CIP projects? Mm-hmm. To me, there's a there's a structural problem with your budgeting process. Uh, why are you not budgeting CIP improvements in the budget? Well, there really wasn't room to budget that. Proof that we had to raise taxes 34 cents in one year. So there aren't any room for any CIP. Right. So how do we do CIP? We just borrow money when we need it, right? And then people get upset. Well, we're on a... We're on a borrowing spree. Well, we're on a borrowing spree because the operating budget is at a place where we were dependent upon gateway land sales to even fund operations. So there's some systemic problems, or there have been some systemic problems in the budget. Kind of led to this. From my perspective, mm-hmm. you know, everybody may not agree with that, mm-hmm. but but I don't think the answer to that is to switch gears and say instead of funding one-time sale of assets for operations. Now we're going to fund them for CIP because we really need CIP. Well, here's the thing. In any growing community, household, business, if it continues to grow, there's always going to be a need for additional capital improvements. Absolutely. So by selling MED, yeah, we may be solving Ronnie Martin's problems today or this council's problems today or these staff's problems today. And, hey, the residents' concerns today. But 10 years, 20 years from now? We're going to have the same problems again. Yes. We're going to have the same except issues bigger. again. Except bigger and without a local utility. And yes. so from yes. a from just a soundness standpoint, mm-hmm. from a practical standpoint, I just don't believe that's the right way to do that. Yeah. Well, thanks for sharing. Ronnie, I, you know, I, I love to hear 
this type of conversation, this open, candid conversation. Mm-hmm. I know the people of Murfreesboro appreciate it, too. Right. Um, you talked about the employees there, and that was one of the things that struck me, especially the MED employees. Mm-hmm. Uh, one, what, there was an event last night, folks, that was an open house uh, for people to um, listen to the uh, – have any questions, anything that you might have to say. Uh, you could come in and, and – um, uh, speak with um, the various officials about that. There was that open house last night, and and the several of the employees were there. Mm-hmm. And that dark cloud that's been hanging over the Murfreesboro Electric Department mm-hmm. for up to a year now. Mm-hmm. In in the private business, private industry where I come from, these things happen all the time too. Right. The difference is the sunshine laws, right. really. Yeah. Because in corporate America, you, they just show up one day and say. So and so, nobody has to be told anything. You're out, and so this is kind of a special situation for these public employees because they're going through something most of us don't. Right, it's all in the open. And let me ask you about that, Ronnie. A little bit about the sunshine Mm -hmm. and the the transparency again on this because I keep hearing this over and over again. The deal was ninety five percent done when it was handed to the city council. I would tell you 99% percent done, yeah. done. And so I think a lot of people are having trouble with the whole transparency of that sure. getting to that point. Right. Can you, I mean, I don't want you to get, obviously, we don't have any, don't want to get in any legal trouble here or right. things that you don't want to say, but, but uh, that seems like a problem. So I think that is a great question. And, um, you know, this is, I'm very conflicted. By answering this question. Sure. Right. Okay. And so what I would tell you is there's a part of me that says, well, um, and this may be a little cynical in my mind, but if I say, okay, how did we get here? What what led to the path of, of where we are? If I'm a business owner and, and I'm a I'm kind of a strategy guy, so I, you know, I try to be very thoughtful about what happens. Right. If I wanted to sell a util a public utility um, and to approach it in a way where I'm trying to maximize the opportunity to get the deal done, I think it's done. It's been done perfectly. You know what I mean? Yeah. From a pure strategic standpoint. Yeah. The problem is I have another role in this, and my role in this is to make sure that we have been, um, you know, this deal has been vetted, not mm-hmm. just for what it could give citizens today, not mm-hmm. just for you know, um, uh, the, the contribution it could make to the CIP today. But um, what are the consequences 10 years from now, 20 years from now? What are the opportunities uh, for, the, for the utility? Um, you know, Rick LaLance made a comment in the uh, – uh, me, and I'll, I'll say something else real quick before I say this about Rick. Um, you know, one of the most challenging things about being in, in this position is – we're 100% reliant, for the most part, we're, we're very reliant upon staff for information. Sure. As we should be. Yeah. We hire them to do that's these things, and that's do. what they're paid to do. Yeah. But when staff comes with an obvious bias towards mm-hmm. something, and I think mm-hmm. the staff has had a bias towards this, mm-hmm. um, who do you go to to ask for objective information? Well, as an elected official, that's a tough thing because sure. I got a job, right? I got to work and support my family. I, as much as I would love, because I'm enough of a dork that I would love to spend 16 hours a day studying this, I don't have time to do that. Right. I just don't have time to do it. You, think about the average citizen, right? I mean, you I know, mean, we yeah. all have our lives, yeah. right? And so yeah. I'm trying to make up on the weekends where I'm spending a tremendous amount of time doing this. And 
in my downtime where I need a break from what I'm doing from work, I'll spend 30 minutes doing something or whatever. Sure. But but how do you how do you educate yourself as an elected official in a, in a competent way to evaluate the merits of a decision this size with a staff who I trust and who I think does an excellent job, but who has an obvious bias in this instance? How do I objectively evaluate this situation? What are my resources? Tough deal. Yeah, it is. Now, knowing the way we've approached this, where the council has been hardly involved at all in these discussions, you know, we bring it up last week. We have a public meeting this week. You know, I think the staff expects, expects us to vote on it next week. Next week. Man, it's not enough time. Yeah. It's just not enough time it, it, to make a good decision. And I think I, any reasonable business person would say, yeah. You know, you're 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 talking about selling something that's been around longer than any of us have been alive. Eighty right, years, right? Eighty two hundred fifty million dollars, right? Uh, I'm, I'm I'm just going to need a minute on that. I'm going to need to think about that for a second. You well, know, I, absolutely, Ronnie. I so, think it would be one of the largest transactions the city has ever undertaken. I would guess uh, so as well. Uh, you know, on their own. And, um, you know, there were reasons why the TVA, when it was formed, we, right. we talked about this early. For the folks who are tuning in, if you listen to the earlier episodes, we talk about the TVA. We talk about how the Tennessee Valley was electrified. Right. I can still tell you, my mother is 82 years old and will still tell you the stories about not having electricity in mm. Middle Tennessee and growing up. Wow. Uh, and, and remembering FDR and when that came and how it transformed everything here. But they set these municipal electric departments up right. separate from the co-ops for a reason. Yeah. And that reason was the density of people. It cost less right. to deliver electricity in the city of Murfreesboro than it does in Rutherford County. Is that your understanding? Yeah. That and, makes sense. Um, and I want to circle back for just one second. Sure. I'll answer that. But I made a comment about Rick Lance earlier. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And one me. of the things he said, he, yeah. he brought up the dark fiber uh, yeah. for, for MED. Which is future. It, it uh, is. Yeah. And so that was part of my point. Do I have enough time to become an expert on dark fiber in mm-hmm. a few days when I have minutes to do this? Heck no, I don't. Right. And so how can I honestly evaluate if if the staff is really supportive of this and I feel like they have a bias towards this, who's going to give me that information to really weigh pros and cons long term for the city of Murfreesboro? Mm-hmm. That's why we need a little more time to slow down and try to figure out what we're going to do. Yeah. But, but to go to answer your question, um, you know, one of the things that has been said to me that why this makes sense, well, Murfreesboro's bumping up against its urban growth boundary. And that's true, you know, to a certain extent, that is true. Um, But as we annex property, uh, which, you know, these things are never as easy as you think, right? So we're we're taking a really hard look at annexation because we have limited sewer capacity. So Mm -hmm. how much are we gonna annex in the city? So these things are, you know, complicated, if you will. A lot of moving pieces. A lot of moving pieces, but but what happens, so this may be a, a bad example, but if you're pouring water in a cup, well, when you start pouring water in the cup, it goes to the side of the cup. Well, when it hits the side of the cup, what happens to the water if you keep pouring? Right, it still it goes, comes up. It goes up. Right. So I think there are people, um, you know, there are people I serve with and staff members that believe that when we hit that boundary, it's just going to stop going up. Right? Right. So the revenue's not going to grow. There are right. not going to be new people connecting. Uh, Murfreesboro will never be Nashville. So one of the things that I've done is I've gone in, because I've had no choice, and, and started looking at population growth mm-hmm. at you know, the 10 largest cities in the state, our surrounding cities, our, our counties. Mm-hmm. And so 
if you go back and look to when Metro Nashville became uh, a metro, right. it was like in the early 60s, mm-hmm. 1960s. They were one of the first in the country to ever do that. And, and this is not a discussion because I don't know anything about this either. What it, Becoming a metro, why is that good or not? I right. hadn't studied that. Sure. I'm working on MED right now and trying to figure <laughs> out what dark <laughs> fiber is. Full. Right. Yeah. So, but, but, but Nashville became a metro in 1963, and I think, if my memory serves me, they had about 170,000 people when they became a metro. That sounds about right. So yeah. that was 60 years ago? Right. So I just kind of reject the idea that Murfreesboro will never be larger than it is today or large enough to be a Nashville-type city. I can envision, when you ask me about my vision, yeah. us going vertical. We're talking about the hotel downtown, yes. some of those things. Yes. You know, I think it's hard sometimes, and, and in the business world, I see this a lot. You know, I work with a lot of people in real estate. I'm a real estate banker, and that's what I do. Well, people will say, well, this is the last good market we're going to have, so i got to make every dollar I'm going to make in it. Or right. the recession's going to hit, and the market will never be good again. Home prices will never go up, or they'll never go down. Reality is we don't know any of those things. That's right. It's there all are, a guess. There all are a million opinion. different variables that impact that. And yep. when you start telling me you can predict the future, yeah. I'm going to stop trusting what you say because I know sure. you can't. That, you know? That's a great point. I think ultimately Rutherford County, Murfreesboro will go vertical. They'll be forced to go vertical. Absolutely. If you listen to Mayor Ketron's uh, demographic projections, we're looking at somewhere around another 300,000 people in the next 20 to 25 years. Right. That makes us Cobb County, Georgia. Yeah. Which if you've ever been to atlanta yeah i mean that is a very big area it's a suburb of atlanta right that's what it is and that's what we are of nashville and so i i appreciate your very forward looking let me touch back on the fiber one sure. thing I, well, obviously at the we'll last talk about roads too but go ahead at yeah the, at the last council meeting it was obvious that councilman lance had a lot of heartburn over the fiber that right. the city's recently paid for right do we have any idea how can we can we isolate how much we have spent on that fiber has he done that yeah because i didn't hear that number and then my second question would that have been included in the valuation right because obviously that's a very expensive capital expensive environment i don't want to say how much we've spent because i don't know and and i have heard this number but i i don't have enough confidence in the information i have my memory of it to tell you gotcha um and some conversations about this last night and uh throughout the day my understanding is that value is about two million dollars in the deal okay which what's interesting about that is it's really easy to make a really good argument to say hey it's only we're only getting two million dollars in value if we don't know the potential future value of this why would we take two million dollars for it well people argue both sides and again in fairness to everyone i've not had enough opportunity to even think through all those things but to me that's part of the point of if we've not had time to think through that why do we feel the pressure that we've got to do this vote, you know, immediately and make a decision about this? Yeah, is there some sort of pressing? Uh, so, so let me ask you this, Ronnie: Is there some sort of pressing federal or state issue or something that's driving this quick decision? Are we trying to get it done for a, a tax benefit for some reason, or are we trying to get it done for a contractual reason? Is there anything like that that we don't necessarily know about that may have driven this? It, light speed um this is again is ronnie martin's intuition and speculation about this i, sure. I think the answer to that is no okay. but i'm not 100 percent. i've not heard any good reason of why we would have to do it 
But if I if I put my thinking cap on and try to think through why this may be, right? I think the obvious thing to me is uh, the more you linger, the more opportunity there is for something not to happen or for something bad to happen. Sure. So let's close the books on it and get it done as fast as possible. We already hit the tax increase, and right. Well, that ain't going to be enough, right? That's what people are thinking. So imagine this: imagine yeah. you're in a position like I'm in, where and and, and this is not going to win me any votes when I say this, but I believe it to be right, so I'm going to say it. Well. Part of the reason we raised taxes 34 cents at one particular point in time is because we failed to raise taxes at the appropriate time during the process. Amen. Nobody's going to like me saying that. That's the truth. And they're probably not going to like what I'm going to say next, too, which is as property values continue to go up and when we have equalization and reassessments, property taxes need to equalize where if your property value is going up, the tax, you pay more yes, in taxes the ratio stays the same. That mm-hmm. gives us a sustainable long-term funding revenue model to where we can do that. Yes. The fact that we had to come and ask for an increase mm-hmm. when it was not an equalization year, mm-hmm. that's a problem. I mean, it's a big problem. Sure. Which means somebody didn't do something right somewhere along the way. Now, I'm not putting all that on the staff. If we have a recession and sales tax revenue drops 20, 30, 40%, there are explanations for those things. Sure. But we can't say that. Things mm-hmm. have been pretty good for us for a long time. Yeah. So he, he, try this on for size. If property values go up 10% this year and we have a reassessment next year, you know what Murfreesboro needs to do? We need to raise property taxes. Now, nobody's going to like that very much. They're going to say, this man's crazy. But it matches the value gain. But but it's that's just like, yeah. that's exactly right. Yeah. And if we don't build a sustainable system, the next person that comes in after me is going to have to relearn what I've learned. And we're going to make the same mistakes we made again. If your income, like it or not, I mean, you may be one of those folks, you know, I don't want to pay taxes. If I could get away from paying taxes, I won't pay any either. Well, nobody wants to pay taxes, but it's just a fact of life. Right? So, but when your income goes up, you got to pay more or less. Yes. Yeah, you got to pay more. That's right. Right. When your property values go up, that is the system we have in place to fund our local government. It is. And so... Do people have great arguments when they say, yeah, but if you weren't spending this and this and this, you might not have to have as much? Those are great arguments. We need to talk about that. We need to look at that. I mean, those are important discussion points. Yes. But it doesn't change when your property values go up, and that's our baseline revenue. We do not need to let the tax rate fall where it fell before, and then we get ourselves in a situation where people are looking at us like we're stupid, saying, what kind of imbeciles are y'all to have to raise taxes in 34 cents? Well, it's because we spent 20 years bragging about the fact that we didn't do it, and it caused us problems. So add to that equation, sell MED, and the average person doesn't study this the way we do. Sell MED, put conceptually $250 million in your pocket. It's not like that because we're being paid over a period of time. It is but, financed, right. But people mm-hmm. will say you just sold the the electric department for you know $250 million or 300 if you right. count They'll the Right, they'll immediately stream. jump to that, right. Mm-hmm. And then we say, here's try this on for size. Your properties, property values went up, so we're going to raise your property taxes $0.04 because long-term it's the viable thing to do. Right. They're going to say, y'all are crazy. You're right. You just sold our electric company. You, you, yeah. you raised them $0.34 cents last yeah. year. You yeah. sold the electric department for 250 Right. We didn't go burn City Hall down, yeah. right? Because right. these people don't know what they're doing. Right. But it's the fact that we're not willing to have those conversations yes. at the appropriate time. And, and you know, for me... I'm here to serve as long, I think, unless my wife tells me not to, I'm here to serve as long as people want me to serve. And if making what I think are the right decisions for our community get me in a place where people don't want to elect me, I promise you I got something else I can do. Yes. I got plenty of other things I can spend time doing. Right, Ronnie. That is, And so that is why you're the right guy, Ronnie. 
because of the things that you're saying right now. It is, uh, once again, it's the reluctant guy that says, oh, gosh, I don't want a part of this. Right. But it's also that feeling of that understanding that, you know, no one wants to pay taxes. Right. But it's we are getting the blowback from 20 years of not. Right. And to be a politician, to tell the truth. Right. It takes courage. Right. And we need a lot more courage out there, Ronnie. And that's what I appreciate about you because, well, look, folks, Middle Tennessee Electric is a fine company. I'm absolutely. sure they would handle everything for absolutely. But is it the right move for the city of Murfreesboro? That's the question. Mm. Even if we question all of the way that we got to this point, that's still very debatable. Yeah, absolutely. And and here's the thing. to to say with any degree of certainty that we know that that's the right thing to do in the future, Mm -hmm. I just don't buy into that because I think we can't possibly know that. Mm -hmm. When you think about how energy is changing over the time and we have a distribution network already basically paid for in the city of Murfreesboro, a very dense uh, city, whatever challenges come up for the industry, we're probably better insulated to deal with those things than than Middle Tennessee Electric because Middle Tennessee Electric is spread out they're over spread all out over the place. So because of the nature of their origin, which is what right. they're supposed to be doing. That's right. Right. Mm-hmm. But when you think about infrastructure and fixed overhead cost, right, they got fewer people per mile of line paying for the expense side of what they're doing. Right. We got a lot more people paying for that, but we've got four million dollars on a two hundred fifty million dollar, or we've got. $43 million in cash, so call it a $200 million infrastructure. We owe $4 million in debt on? Well, we're very well positioned for whatever challenges come to face us. You know, here's another thing that, that concerns me, and and I'm a big believer in leadership, and I'm a big believer in um, service to others. Right. And, uh, you know, one of the things I've picked up on uh, from those that work in the electric utility business is they won't be left alone. Yeah, sure. So that's a very interesting concept to me because, you know, why if if I work in the bank and I'm in the real estate division and I said, hey, uh, First Bank, I'm my own person out here. You don't have anything to do with me. I'd probably get my hands slapped pretty quick and they'd say, uh, hey, listen here, big boy, you work for the bank, right? But the utility folks don't think that. And I think the electric company is very guilty of that. Mm-hmm. And so they really want the city to recognize, hey, we know what we're doing. Leave us alone. We're our own thing. Now, I think TVA encourages that a lot, Mm -hmm. and rightfully so, Mm -hmm. because I think there are some municipalities that probably hadn't done right about themselves Mm -hmm. by trying to stick their hands in the coffers and raid some of the the funds in the local utility, because let's be honest, they got a monopoly. They can charge enough to cover their expenses and to load in capital improvements and pay their employees. They got a really healthy model. Yes. Well, the city, on the other hand, we're struggling always, you know, from a revenue standpoint. Right. So... The electric company wants to be left alone, and the right. city says, well, no, you belong to us. And uh, and I agree with that. Sure. I mean, I think yeah. the electric company does belong to the city now. Uh-huh. Yeah. Rate payers pay for it, but it's an asset of the city. Well, you wouldn't be in control if it wasn't. Right? That's right. I mean, you, they wouldn't be asking you to vote next week. That's right. Right? So I agree. But, but this thing, and I think it's a, uh, and this is going to sound harsher than I mean for it to sound, but I also don't want to take the teeth out of it. Um, it's been a failure on our part in leadership, both for utility, both for City Hall, both for the council. 
that we have not been able to find a way to leverage this department and to invest in this department to where we see it as an asset of our city. Ronnie, let's talk about flexibility. Okay. Uh, flexibility is important for an electric service because of infrastructure construction. Uh, I know from my past experience, yep. when we're building State Highway 96 out here, mm-hmm. hey, one of the things a road building guy that drives the road building folks crazy was we're waiting on the utilities okay. to get yeah. out there and move it. Makes sense. So if you're in the city, which is a smaller area, mm-hmm. you have a little bit more flexibility as far as handling those types of issues. You can respond faster. Uh, someone that I know that's uh, very interested in this deal was talking about the tornado that we had uh, uh, in April of right. 2010, maybe I believe it was, and how rapidly, not that uh, not that the co-op didn't do their job. Of course they did. Their, they had a much wider area to cover. Mm-hmm. But they were so proud of the way the Murfreesboro Electric Department was all over that disaster yeah. immediately and how they had restored power you know, within hours of an uh, F2 tornado blowing through a major part of our city, do we lose that flexibility? Is that one of the major concerns, do you think? It's it's not for me, um, okay. and I asked that question specifically to Chris Jones. You did. And, mm-hmm. um, and he had a really good response, and I thought it was a, a fair response. And he said to me, um, you know, Ronnie, you had the resources of MED available to you when that happened. Mm-hmm. He said, if it happened again, you'd have the resources of Middle Tennessee Electric to you. Well, Which, that's a great point. You know, yeah, I couldn't right. argue with even, that. Even bigger that's resources, exactly right. right, is what he's arguing, yeah. Now, now I countered with what happens and, you know, what's the likelihood of this happening? I right. said, so what happens if it tears through Williamson County, uh, right. down into Wilson County, circles through Rutherford County, then hits Cannon County? how is Murfreesboro going to be prioritized at that particular point? And I think you appreciated the question, yeah. but it's probably not a fair question, you know, for me to ask. Right. Um, right. But, but I did take comfort in the fact that, um, look, Middleton Sea Electric's been here a long time. This is their yeah. headquarters. Chris Jones, a city resident. And, and yeah. if I don't vote for this, I'm not sure he's going to vote for me. Yeah, right. um, <laughs> but, but he has been, uh, you know, it's real easy to see the quality of his character. Oh, in my definitely. Opinion. He seems very transparent. He I, is. I think this is a great deal for the co-op. I, I agree. I mean, um, and and I've been extremely impressed with him and his mm-hmm. staff. Yeah. Um, and so I feel great if, if this happens. And again, I'm yeah. I'm not for this. Right. But if it does happen, um, you know, one of the things I was talking about leadership earlier. One of the things that I'll have to do is I'll say, okay, uh, you know, that's what the council decided to do. We'll move on. Mm-hmm. And then I'll focus my attentions on protecting the money and doing what I can do to uh, make sure that we are wise and practical and there's a long-term solution for the use of that money. So that our kids aren't looking Absolutely. to fill a budget hole. You know, why, why wouldn't we, uh, for example, right now we don't have um, – in my opinion, we don't have appropriate capital improvement dollars built into our budget that we know we're going to need. Sounds that way. Um, yeah. Why would we not try to set up some situation where, and I, I'm not the first council member to say this, so I'm not taking credit for it, right. but many have said this and talked about it. Why wouldn't we set up an account where uh, we put this money into it and we do everything we can to restrict it and tie people's hands to using it meaning maybe we just live off the interest. Mm-hmm. Uh, one idea I had, which is this is my idea, um, maybe we budget and, and we put some 
redundancy into this piece where we say, okay, let's say the council, a future council says, we want to do major capital improvements. Uh, we want to access this. Um, I think Mr. Tyndall, I'll give him credit for this. I think he called it Invest Murfreesboro. Now, mm-hmm. uh, I think Mr. Tyndall would like to spend all this money on infrastructure, um, but but I do give him credit for coming up with this Invest Murfreesboro concept because that's where I heard this from. Mm-hmm. Um, but where I would be an advocate for spending the earnings on it rather than the principal on it, right? why wouldn't maybe we attach uh, or tie future budgets to access to this money? For example, right. if you want to budget $5 million in capital improvements, yeah. you can pull $5 million from Invest Murfreesboro. That way, we have to be conscientious of the operating budget as well as the CIP budget, but we're motivating people to, if, if you want to raise taxes in the future in order to improve roads, build that into your capital improvement. Take the medicine, whatever you've got to take to do it, cut right. the expenses Today. or raise the taxes. Right. But guess what? We're going to do matching funds from this Invest Murfreesboro and let it build. Yeah. I think those those sort of things yes. create positive behavior. They, they create um, accountability. Yes. They they incentivize good behavior. Yes. Versus what we've had is a council, which I've acknowledged, and I'm one of them, we're limited in our competency in many ways on certain issues because we're not experts on everything. Sure. Um, but But we count on staff. Well, we were counting on staff up to the point where we had to raise taxes 34 cents. And that's just a fact. That's right. not me pointing fingers and saying somebody did something wrong. Right. But it's just a fact. Sure. You know, it's a it's an unfortunate fact, but it's a fact. Well, well that's where the, the political right. rolls over yeah. right there, Ronnie. I mean, let's be honest. Yeah. Nobody campaigns, I'm going to raise your taxes. Yeah. I mean, in Tennessee in the last 25 years, that's how you beat someone. That's He's right. going to raise your taxes. Yeah, it's interesting. Right? And so so that's where the political is rolling over, and that's catching up with us now. Right. In reality, all of that was just talk, just campaign talk. Well, and it's very easy, uh, and I'm not saying this does not have merit because it does have merit. 100% it has merit. But it's always very easy to say on the other side of this tax conversation, we need to cut expenses. Yeah, right. It's real easy to say that right. until you have to make a decision and somebody says, yeah, but everything but this. Yeah, of Don't course. cut this. Everyone I need has this. the this holy cow. Yeah. That's exactly right. Everyone's so, got their own vested interests. Of course, when your home catches on fire, yeah, oh, you yeah. want the fire Different truck deal. to show up. Yeah. If someone robs your home, you want the police to show up. Right. I mean... These are the functions of government. Other people will call it socialism. Right. They would call this whole model Mm -hmm. of TVA and the cheap distribution of electricity to the Tennessee Valley socialism. Mm -hmm. I don't care what you call it. Mm -hmm. It worked. Yeah, sure. And so, and we're all not communists. Right, yeah. (laughs) We're not. We don't speak Russian. We're not. But, but... That, that's where the political crosses into the reality of actually running the government where the rubber meets the road. You've got to maintain the funds to provide the services for the city, and that's what I believe that you're trying to do. The, the concept that you talked about earlier about mm-hmm. something that's returning revenue like the electric department right. currently has for the last 80 years. Right. The best idea I heard on that was like a tech center, uh, high tech. Yeah, Andy Dickey in, said that investment into something like Denver did, where the, we right. know that part of that money is going to roll back into the city as mm-hmm. the, as we invest in these startups, as they're going to. Mm-hmm. 
But that is so, has to be so thought out. You're going to need advisors and probably consultants Mm -hmm. just to do something like that. If I came to you next week, Ronnie, say, Ronnie, I need you to vote on this. Mm -hmm. You know, that's tough. Right. So, so I understand where you're coming from. A lot of this is political, and you're just catching the headwinds of that politics catching up. It's, it's been really educational to me, and, and one of the things that I have said in the same way uh, I told you, you know, I, I was very passionate about trying to do what I thought were the right things to put myself in a position to win. Right. Um, I'm going to do everything I can to be uncompromising when it comes to trying to do what I think is right. Mm-hmm. And and look, that's hard to do because I've got people pulling me in a of thousand different do. directions because yes. they've got strong opinions or they, you know, they're friends of mine or they we share ideology or whatever else. Right. And I'm going to tell you, um, it has really not been as hard as you would think. And it's probably more of sort of my constitution and who I am. Yeah. That uh, And my wife and I have lots of discussions about this. Um, I probably shouldn't say this because, you know, people are going to think, man, he can't convince his wife. He's in trouble. But but she questioned me on this MED thing, and I can't even begin to tell you how thankful I am for her. Absolutely. Because her challenging me all the time makes me get better, and yeah. it makes me come up with why do I really think what I think, and can I explain what I think? Because I can't get anything past her. She's a whole lot smarter than I am. Yeah. <laughs> and so if I can't explain it to her. Right. That doesn't have any. It doesn't have any weight anywhere else in the universe. Sure. And so she's the person I have to get by yeah. in order to have a conversation with anybody else. Yeah. And it's not because we've set it up that way. She just challenges me on that sure. stuff, and I, I can't even begin to tell you how appreciative I am for it because she makes me better. Uh, right. And I get frustrated with her. I, I don't get frustrated with the average person that asks me probably because I can't, and I can right. get frustrated with my wife because she gets on my nerves about wearing <laughs> yeah, sure, me out about this. Sure, that's normal. But yeah. But she is bright and yeah. uh, such a big part of, of whatever success I have. I mean, she's such a big part of it. It, it. It's critical to anybody that serves this in any capacity, whether yeah. you're just a candidate or whether you're an elected official. Uh, the family has to be all in. Yep. And uh, that, that, you know, uh, you have to talk to your family first. Uh, I can tell you as a candidate, hey, yep. you know, you're fixing to go through some stuff. And are right. you sure? And so I can understand, Ronnie, and and and. Uh, there are many of us out here who appreciate that sacrifice from your family and from all of the other elected officials, uh, elected officials who serve our community, uh, because their families do uh, sacrifice many ways. Often, I've said, when you run a campaign, you're running to be the most hated guy in the county, you know, and at the, you're trying to be the most liked guy right. in the county, and you end up being the most. And and that's not what people's intentions are, yeah. uh, um, uh, unless they have their own agenda. I'll tell you this. Um, it is um, there were people in politics that I didn't particularly care for uh, before I got into an, an elected position, and now that I've had to face the trials that I've had to face, what I've learned is whether I agree with people that are in in my uh, you know city realm, local politics, regional, national, state politics. The sacrifice that every single person has to make in order to serve is a really big price. Yes. Uh, and people are, and I'm not saying this for my benefit, I, I, I can handle it, um, yeah. but people can be pretty tough sure. on their elected officials. And, and I'm not saying they don't have a right to be because they're elected officials. Uh, but there's probably not, there's probably less, it's almost like being a quarterback, you know, for a team. 
You, you know, if you're winning, you get far more credit than you deserve. And when you're losing, you get far All more criticism yeah, than right. you deserve. And, yeah. and I handle that. Okay. But, yeah. uh, my wife doesn't handle it as well as I do. Sure. Uh, she, she's pretty protect. She'll be critical of me, but she don't want anybody else being critical of <laughs> right, me. Right. Right. That's normal. But, yeah. but it has given me a great appreciation for everybody that's in public service because, um, we are just, you know, we're lucky to have the people we have serving, whether we agree with them and, and in some cases like them or not. Right. Because a lot of people don't want to do that. Yes. And it's easy to see why people don't want to do it. Yes. It's it, because of the way a lot of our public officials are treated. Yep. Back to what you said, whether the perception is real or unreal. Right. Of course, we have some very unsalty politicians right. out there that yep. probably. Some of that may be deserving. You know, I get it. Of course, yep. of it, some of it may be deserving. But, but overall, uh, yeah, a lot of folks don't see that. We need a lot more civics education. We just need a lot more engagement in general. I mean, let's be honest, Ronnie. I'm not an electric expert. Right. You're not. Absolutely we've not. had to educate ourselves through this process, and I'm really happy that – thank you so much for coming on the show and, and talking to the people here, educating right. them about the decisions for the government to make, Well, especially about the electric department right now since that's pending. And I want to thank you and, and others. I mean, uh, you know, I have, I've listened to every podcast you've done. Thanks, uh, Ryan. And, um, uh, you know, yeah. people like Andy Dickey and – yeah. Um, I think about um, all the people who have either for or against very strong opinions about this. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I would not tell you that I'm the most skilled, talented person out there by any stretch. But but one of the gifts that I do have is I'm able to listen to people who are very strongly opinionated about something. And I can pull those pieces out that right. I'm going to use to make a good decision yeah. and not feel like that. Uh, everything that you have to offer, if we don't agree, is is not valuable. Right. You know what I mean? If we Absolutely. don't agree that there's nothing that you have to say that's valuable, because right. if that were the case, I would be a fraction of who I am uh, in almost every way, because yes. I, I consider myself um, patchwork of every person I know and every person that's invested in me, good, good wisdom, bad experiences, or whatever else. And I appreciate that journey because it's made yeah. me better and it's yeah. made me a more whole, well-rounded person. And so um, I appreciate the, the diversity of the opinions. Um, it, it makes us better. It, absolutely, Ronnie. It sure does. You know, the most important thing is factual information right. first. Yeah. Let's get the facts and then we can disagree. But yeah. first we have to be able to have actual Not everybody facts. wants to do that, by <laughs> right, the way. Right. Yeah. I know. Well, yeah. you know, that's... Uh, that's uh, maybe the state that we're in today. Yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, once again, we're joined by City Councilman Ronnie Martin, recently elected. Thank you, Ronnie. I'm Stephen Reynolds, Man in the Middle podcast, and we'll be right back. I'm moving to the country. I'm going to eat a lot of peaches. Peaches come from a can. They were put there by a man. Welcome back to Man in the Middle Podcast, Episode 15. Once again, we'd like to thank Councilman Ronnie Martin for that fantastic interview. Hopefully, uh, some folks out there listening to this podcast learned some things about this potential uh, sale of the electric department that's coming up. I know I certainly did today. You know, folks, these difficult financial decisions uh, are always tough when it comes to the government. 
we have folks that will fall on either side of whether it's a good idea or whether it's a bad idea. I think the most important thing that all citizens look at, though, is the transparency of any deal that's out there. I think that most people want to see a transparent process. As Councilman Martin um, said so brilliantly in the interview, that does make it difficult sometimes for councilmen uh, to hash these things out, you know, in the public arena. Uh, but transparency is key in anything that comes to public assets and the government, which works for you, the taxpayers and the people of Rutherford County and the city of Murfreesboro. I hope we can all work together to find the right decision for this city and this community moving forward. And I'll be very interested to see how all of this turns out by the end of the year. I hope you'll stay tuned. and We'll do our best to keep you informed. It's been a great run, folks, these 15 episodes. We've had a fantastic time. We plan on coming back in the new year with a new round of episodes as we get closer to the political season. I hope you've enjoyed our first, my first attempt uh, uh, at the podcast uh, process. And um, anyway, thank you so much for listening to us. I'm Stephen Reynolds, the man in the middle, and I'll see you next year. <laughs>